0: We're, let's, let's get to it. Yes. No fucking around, Gertie, in this one.
1: <laughs> no ear flaps, no water.
2: <laughs> Nothing. Well, I, I, they're dehydrating right now. <laughs> For the next two hours, they are just going to dry out. I don't give a fuck. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Mr. Retical, where we take a theoretical approach to solving mysteries. I'm Lynn. And I'm JP. And today we'll be starting a dive into one of the most complex rabbit hole systems I know of, as we cover the disappearance of Shelley Miscavige.
2: Miscavige.
1: Miscavige. That is how I read it. <laughs> I don't it. know how it's it not. is, though. It's Miscavige. <laughs> okay. So, why I chose this case. Honestly, I love theology. I think it's all fascinating. Like. I was curious about church as a kid and my mom would drop me off at church and then leave me there like, yeah, or whatever. So my, I went to Catholic church. I went to evangelical churches and I even had like new age Christian church, like born again, Christian churches. And our pastor nope. was Jewish. And I just don't, whatever.
2: I grew up Episcopalian and that was like,
1: I don't think I ever went to <sighs>
2: It's just a lot of standing, kneeling, standing, kneeling, singing, singing. I don't know. I mean, I have been atheist for a number of years now, and I just, I couldn't do it.
1: Well, I just wanted to, like, decide for myself. So I would right. go where, like, my friends would go. So I would go with, right. Like, friends. Right, you should. So I explored. Do and what then... makes
2: sense for you. Like, right. Do your research and understand like okay this is this is what I believe and you shouldn't like bash on anyone you know what I mean no
1: and like I I know that there are people that go to those churches that are awesome and like amazing right that I just decided that I hate church like the organized part of it
2: organized religion yes Yes. and very
1: spiritual and like i i love learn but i love learning all the religions i've been like super into learning about paganism lately Mm -hmm. i don't know if you count that as a religion yeah it is um
2: i mean that's where a lot of uh like christian ideology came from is paganism so i mean you're definitely getting to the root of it
1: right like i just love i just love all of it i want to learn i want to learn about Islam, and Muslim, and Hindu, and Hindu. Like, I want yeah. to know it. So, oh, yeah. Anyway, I also like learning about cults.
2: <laughs> Who doesn't?
1: And fortunately, although unfortunately for us, because we are an unsolved true crime podcast, most mainstream cults don't have that much unsolved because if you look at the big ones like People's Temple or Jonestown or the Branch Davidians in Waco, like we mentioned, or the Children of God, blah, blah, blah. We all know how those all ended, which was in the worst way imaginable. Yeah. Like the Jonestown image of them, like the aerial picture, it's burned into my brain forever. I can't yeah. not see it. It's no. so awful. But you and I live quite low, close to a lot of Scientology buildings.
2: Oh my God. I'm seriously. It's, You're
1: like I, down the street.
2: <laughs> I pass it every day that I drive.
1: You're like three blocks from one of the big ones. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, no, you're not. We don't live anywhere near any of them. (laughs) I Um,
2: mean, even three blocks could be like three blocks in either direction, you know?
1: It's in all directions.
2: (laughs) In all directions. But you know what I mean? Like, it's such a compact area. And it's all
1: apartments. Like
2: Yes, it really is. It's Um, all residential.
1: Even walking down Hollywood Boulevard, there's that main Scientology Building with the guys outside with the suits and the pamphlets, like Mormons, but not. (laughs) Yeah. And yes, I don't know about you, but I have often walked by that building and gone, I could, I could just go in, like I could go in.
0: I could. Everyone's,
1: everyone's welcome, but I already know a lot about Scientology, and I'm a chicken, so I'm afraid. (laughs) Um, I'm gonna try to cover this episode with an unbiased opinion. Um, I'm not here to prove their tax exempt status or to disprove it. I'm not here right. to claim they are cult or not, but I'm not going to lie and not say that they do a lot of things that align with cults. And it's hard not to be biased when there's hard evidence that is prevalent. Right. Um, I'm We're just, just here covering to covering
2: that. Shelley.
1: One. Yes, yes. Exactly. I just want to talk about Shelly. I do have to talk about the religion a little bit. So everyone. Because it has plays
0: context. into it. Yes. Exactly. A
1: lot. Yeah but I just want to, trying to be unbiased. Right. So I'm not calling them a cult.
2: No, and if you're a Scientologist, publicly. we do not judge you.
1: No, not at all. Um, I have attempted to approach this case from all sides, but it is really hard when one side is one of the most protective, powerful, and richest, most secret organizations in the world. So yeah. just bear that in mind. So let's get on with it. Michelle Shelley, Diane Barnett was born on January 18th, 1961 in Dallas, Texas to Mary Florence Flo, Fike Barnett and Maurice Elliott Barnett. Both of her parents were long term Scientologists when she was born. So they were her whole family. Their religion the was already there. It started in the 50s, 50s right? 1954. Okay. Yeah. OK. At the age of 12, Shelley's parents shipped her off to join the CMO. We're going to talk about the language of Scientology really fast because there's a lot of weird words that mean specific things to them and acronyms and whatever. So I'm not, it's a very vast vocabulary.
0: Yeah. I'm not no.
1: going to list all of it. You can find it yourself. It's humongous. Yeah. But some of the words that I am going to be talking about is auditing, which is a form of counseling, sometimes using an e-meter. And if you are on the which I'll explain, um, if you are on the lower level of the church, an auditor will guide you through various questions to get a certain result. If you are higher in the church, you can audit yourself, which is called solo auditing, and use the E-meter to find the right answer by asking yourself questions. So an E-meter is an electronic device which displays electrodermal activity by analyzing the changing electrical charges observed on the surface of the skin. It is highly debated if the E-meter works. It is one of the several components found in lie detectors, which, as we've often said, are widely criticized as ineffective. I yeah. think it's like, it's like a machine, and then there's like, I think, it's like two metal cylinders, and you hold the cylinders while you're answering yes. questions. Yeah. yeah. I believe
2: that's, that's my understanding as well.
1: Yeah. Another thing I'm going to be mentioning is the Apollo, which is one of three ships the Diana and the Athena are the other two, where L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, established the Sea Org, I'll talk about it, on August 12th, 1967. The Apollo was the flagship until 1975, when they sold all the boats and became a land-based operation, although they kept with the maritime outfits and the like, yes, sir, and the saluting and stuff like that. Yeah. The mannerisms. Okay. Hubbard had run to this ship after scrutiny and harassment over, over some legal issues, which I think I talked about. I wrote that I talk about it later, but I don't know if I get deep into it. <laughs> I think I in do. back
2: check that. <laughs> I
1: think I do. I know that that's why, but I don't know if I go yeah, into it. Yeah, right. It was something about fraud and bribery or something like that, or burglary or something. I don't know. They were, at the time, at least that Shelley joined, they were in international waters in the Caribbean. And it was hot, so the messengers themselves figured out their uniform, which was tie tops, white shorts, platform shoes, and high-knee socks. So basically a crop top with white shorts. Like a little sailor, like a deckhands outfit. Right. Or, whatever.
0: or
2: a tennis outfit. Ooh.
1: Yes, like it's, it looks like a tennis outfit. Blow is to leave without permission or to leave before something is completed. So if someone leaves the Church of Scientology, you can say like they blew from the church. Yeah. Or even if they just leave like a meeting or something, it's still called blow. Blow. Okay. CMO, which is the one I mentioned in the beginning, Commodore's messengers organization. It was first appointed by Hubbard. He went by Commodore at this time. Okay. um, In 1968, while he was living on the Apollo. So that's what the, what Shelley became. Yeah. RTC, is a cmo
2: like a CMO. agent not not the commodore
1: no yeah she was a messenger because so they were called messengers rtc is the religious technology center david miscavige is the chief of board or cob of the rtc and it is run by the top of the c org the rtc owns all copyrights to l Ron hubbard material so that's like their main role yeah the c org or SL, is the inner core and military branch of the church. C-Org members run and operate churches and have a number of other high-ranking tasks within the church. They all sign a billion-year contract, which promises this current life of servitude along with their next life. There's also a cadet org, which I don't talk about, I just wanted to mention it, um, which is the C-Org for Children, or where C org members that had children that's where their children would go but they didn't promote
2: like a daycare
1: if you wanted children and you were in the C org you were not in the C org anymore like they didn't want people to have children i see so yeah like a daycare
2: <laughs> yeah
1: so maybe it was like if you already had children right that would make sense last one is an sp which stands for a suppressive person this is an evil person in the eyes of the church. This is someone who the church sees as declared, meaning that they cannot have any contact with any Scientologist in any capacity, including their own family members. Wow. They're also called squirrels. And I know that they have. They have. They have um, nuts. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> but they have. Um. a a crew of like camera people that whenever there is like a a squirrel around yeah they have hats that say squirrel busters and they're there to like harass the people i don't talk about them at all in this but they exist and i just that is
2: so interesting (laughs) that's really interesting
1: right it's crazy and that's just the little handful of things that i'm gonna talk about not even the vast list of their language and how they and I kind of read an article about how a lot of cults have language stuff like this because it's like a form of brainwashing yeah which made me think of the military but I'm not bashing the military in any way it's just that's what it made me think of they have a lot of acronyms for things but
2: also kind of like if you're not in the organization and you hear people talking about it it gives you uh, that FOMO you know like oh mm-hmm. wow like there's all these cool words and like I could be talking like that if I join this and
1: right stuff. uh they also call new members raw meat
2: <laughs> oh wow
1: <'Cause>, yeah <laughs> you just made me think of <laughs> or not new members but like people that are interested you know they've gone to like one meeting and they're curious or whatever they're called yeah not publicly or to their face but like between
2: i'd do it to their face i would too you're nothing but raw
1: meat join our religion (laughs) (laughs) the terrible selling tactic (laughs) so let's get back to shelly now that we know some of the language which i'll i'll refer back to it so we all can stay on top of everything. So like I said, at the age of 12, Shelly was placed in the CMO program. So she was in the Commodore's Messengers this, uh, organization. Okay. Her proud Scientologist parents sent her off. And one article also stated her sister went, but I don't know if that's true.
2: I mean, if, if Shelly went, I'm sure this is A too. lot
1: of them were like sent as families. Yeah. And like their parents were proud of it. They were like, yep. look at my kid doing whatever. It is generally accepted knowledge to Scientologists that CMO was a great way to get into the C-Org, which are like the higher ranking.
2: Right. Um, it's kind of, of like Church. going to maybe like a military high school or something will give you more access to going right. to like West point or. Right. Because you already have idea. that background.
1: Yeah. Janice Grady. Um, she's one of the original CMO members, went aboard the Apollo in 1968 when she was only 14. And I know she went along with her two siblings who were part of it, too. Um, so she was on board a few years before Shelley was, which was in 1973. Janice blew the church in 1990. So she's no longer a member. Got I it. got this info that she's talking about from Leah Remini's show. Okay. I want to call her Leah Remini because her name is Italian. And if you speak Italian, that's how you would pronounce it. But everyone says Remini anyway.
2: Yeah. Just
1: want to put that out there. <laughs> it's her last name. She can pronounce it how she wants. It's just also wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my brother pronounces our last name differently than me and my dad do. Really? But then I was at, an, I was at the airport one time. And the guy, cause I took Alaska and they like assign your seats last minute. If you have the yeah. cheaper tickets and the guy called me up and he pronounced my name correctly. And I was like, hi, that's never happened before. And he pronounced it how I pronounced it. And he was like, oh, I'm from Austria. And I was like, thank you for telling me that I've been pronouncing it correctly my entire life.
2: Yeah. that I'm not wrong
0: here.
1: I appreciate it. It's also never happened that a stranger called me by my last name and said it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> So, CMOs were teenagers that were hand selected by Hubbard to be trained to be the elite of the elite in Scientology. like I said, they would grow out of adolescence and into the sea Org. They were by his side twenty four seven They would wash dishes, run his bath, like take his co- you know take care of his coat or whatever. right. The main goal of a CMO was to save the planet, help people, and make a better world, which like Scientology's selling point sounds amazing. You know what I mean? If that's their stance, why wouldn't you want to join? That sounds awesome. Yeah. That's another episode though. They did this by like they reached this goal or whatever contributed to it by not only waiting on Hubbard hand and foot, but they were Ron's legs to run messages and dispatches around the ship. They were even trained to speak in the same manner and tone as him. So like that was their training. Creepy. They did yeah. have schooling on board the Apollo, but it was limited to only Scientology and ship courses. They keep calling it a ship. It's kind of like a yacht. I'm just gonna put.
2: That- yeah, I was gonna say. I remember seeing it, and it's definitely like.
1: And it's huge. A fancy. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be a transport ship, um, <laughs> converted into a yacht. The kids were typically treated well until they fucked something up. So new messengers would sometimes mess up, like simple life on ship stuff, like laundry or whatever. And for punishment, they would either be locked in a closet or thrown overboard. Yes. Thrown overboard off of a three-story ship.
2: In the middle of the ocean?
1: And they're in the Caribbean, so there are sharks there, like hammerheads.
2: Wow. I'm surprised we don't have any more missing, like even more missing. I mean, they
1: didn't leave them in the middle of the ocean. That was just there. They would be thrown off and then they'd get back on the ship. Uh, So it didn't matter if they had a fear of height or were poor swimmers. And sometimes people would have to dive in to help the weaker swimmers get back on the ship. Yeah. They were thrown from the third story. I mean, I would, I would jump, but that's just because I love the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Stuff it that sounds fun. fun, right? Especially cuz it's the Caribbean so you can like see.
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: But not if I was thrown unceremoniously over the side. No, thank you.
2: As a punishment
1: for something dumb. Yeah. Hubbard had admitted, you ready for this? Mhm. that he based the CM program on the Hitler youth and kept his hold on them by separating them from their parents. Yep. Uh, There was even a dispatch from Hubbard to the Guardian's office, also known as GO, once because he wanted to see if he could adopt children around the ages of 10 and 11 from an orphanage so that they had no parental influence.
2: Oh, wow. And they would just be his soldiers.
1: Janice goes on to explain that Shelly was younger than most of the kids on the ship at that time, and she was notably a loner. Shelly never spoke about her parents, even later in her life, and she only ever spoke of her father i believe um they still had like a relationship ish but then again most of these kids didn't have relationships with their parents right but shelley's only parental attention she had was from hubbard himself so due right. to her abandonment issues from her family shelley became notably dedicated to hubbard right. of course she adored him even as a messenger in training she was known to go by the book almost to a fault at times And as I mentioned before, the ships were all sold in 1975, and the CMO became a land-based organization. So she was only on the ship for two years. So she's 14. After they became land-bound, the messengers remained in LA, and Shelley was stationed in La Quinta, California, with Hubbard at a secret base. I don't think anyone knows what she did there. Yeah. This is where she meets Do we know
2: where the secret base is? In La Quinta? Yeah. I don't know. It's probably just a mansion.
1: Probably most of them are or they look like non like they don't look like anything. They just look like a building. Yeah. So this is where she meets David Miscavige. Shelly was then relocated to Hemet, California. And while stationed there, every chance David or she got to drive out to see each other, they took Hemet is like an hour and a half from L.A. without without traffic, although I'm assuming back then the traffic wasn't Actually, I know. I know it wasn't what it is today. Uh, They began dating in 1978. So she's 17. She was born in 61.
2: Yeah. So 17, 16 or 17.
1: And they got married in 1982. So they dated for kind of a long time. Yeah. I say that I've been dating the same person for 10 fucking years. But
2: yeah, David and I have been together for nine years.
1: That's bananas. Yeah. Congrats thing at least you're married i'm not gonna talk about it okay so
2: <laughs> Friends, um, <laughs> if you're listening
1: <laughs> or if his mother's listening
0: <laughs>
1: she's on it more than i am <laughs> one time she told me i have to hurry up because apparently it's my fault um because she already bought her dress and it's gonna go out of style oh my
2: god oh that's sweet, <laughs> that's sweet.
1: I love her so much. Anyway, Janice described young David as charming and personable. Shelley is described as feisty. They were both extremely high ranking in the org for their age, and she wasn't subservient until she married David. Keep in mind, these kids have very few, if any, connections to the outside world. They were purposefully kept separate, even from their own parents, Scientologists or not. Um, sorry, I didn't say that right. Even from their own parents, Scientologists or not. Hubbard had the idea that kids were blank slates, that he could write however he wanted, and he preferred girls because they were more loyal than boys. Yuck. Yeah. (laughs) Before I dive into their marriage, I want to talk about David just a little bit. A quick, quick summary. David was born in 1960 to Roman Catholic parents. He had a twin, and I believe he had a brother or another sister at some point. I don't know if she's he or she is way younger or way older or something. I have no clue. Yeah. They spent most of their childhood in New Jersey, although they were born in PA. He enjoyed sports, but is a severe asthmatic and he has severe allergies. Mm-hmm. His father, Ron, uh, is a musician and he became interested in Scientology and sent David to a Dianetics session, which allegedly cured his ailments. I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Dianetics is like Hubbard's writing or his theory, his whatever that is. So I don't, yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, The Miscavages joined the church officially in 1971 and eventually moved to their headquarters in St. Hill Manor, England. The big jump. They have headquarters everywhere. I can't, don't ask me where their main ones are. I don't, I don't know. I was like, They're wow. not just in LA. They're literally all over the world. And I think one of the biggest ones is in Clearwater, Florida. Although on Leah's show, or maybe it was 60 Minutes, they said that 90% of those buildings, which is over like billions of dollars of property are empty.
2: Wow. Are they still owned by them? Because
1: mm-hmm. hmm. they have a lot of money and they yeah. don't want to give it to anybody. So they buy property. And then they don't use it. It's weird. Anyway, that's another mystery for another day. Uh, So they're in England. While there, David became a professional auditor at the age of 12 and was considered a prodigy. He was the youngest auditor in the church. The family eventually returned to the States where David just attended like a regular high school. And at the age of 16 in 1976, David left high school with his parents' permission and went to Clearwater, Florida, where I just mentioned, for Sea Org training. He then got on Hubbard's radar and moved west to join the CMO, where he met Shelley. Mm-hmm. Just a quick little brief of like his past in the church. David worked as a cameraman in 1977 in La Quinta, California. He filmed Scientology training films. So he's 17. I think he was like the director of photography too. He was like a higher up camera. Person. Hubbard appointed Miscavige to CMO so that his policies would be carried out, and David became the head of CMO in 1979. David also became the head of the watchdog committee and the all clear unit. Um, at this point, Hubbard was in hiding, and the all clear unit was there to tell him when it was safe to reemerge, basically. I see. He was also head of Author Services Inc. So basically, David was in charge of handling legal claims against Hubbard the entity that took care of Hubbard's literary and financial affairs. That's all I wrote. I said it like there was more, but there wasn't. That was it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's okay.
1: <sighs> Later, a so-called Operation Snow White, which I didn't look into because I don't want to get too sidetracked,
0: mm-hmm.
1: went awry because the Guardian's office, G.O., had criminal involvement. I think this is where the burglary and all that stuff came in at some point. I see. Um, one of their issues they had. David, without ever discussing it with Hubbard, convinced Hubbard's wife, his third wife at the time, to resign as head of GO. She later claimed that David tricked her, and David claims they remained friends after this debacle. So hmm. we're Do now. You think at- it did trigger. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm unbiased. I don't know. I'm trying to speak unbiased. I am biased in my head, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to be unbiased. Right. Um, we're now at 1982, which was a big year for David. He married Shelly. Which 22. Was a, yes. They got married, which was a big to-do because they had become Scientology's it couple because they were both high ranking. Right. She was very well liked. Um, yeah. He also set up a new organizational structure, which released Hubbard from any personal liability and it handled his personal wealth through a corporation that was outside of the church. Doesn't sound sketchy at all. Uh... He also established the RTS, which is the one I mentioned, the Religious Technology. I think it's RTC, not RTS. Yep, that's a typo. The Religious Technology Center or whatever that I mentioned. Um, And he has been COB ever since, which COB is chairman of the board. He also developed CST, which is the Church of Spiritual Technology, which I will talk about more way later. So basically... There's only two things. So say it like there's only two things. Lynn, RTC was in charge of licensing Scientology's intellectual property. CST had the option to repurchase all of RTC's intellectual property. So what the fuck does that mean?
0: Yeah,
2: because if it's owned by the same organization, why do you have to purchase rights?
1: Right. I don't know. That is something I would like to look into, but I I just didn't (laughs) for this case. I told you, this is, it is a tunnel of rabbit holes. We could pick a thread and like pull it forever and get so much information. So just trying to stay on topic. Um, That same year, so 1982 is where we still are. Ronald DeWolf, which is Hubbard's estranged child, accused David of embezzlement and for manipulating his father. Hubbard, however, denied all of this and a judge ruled his statement as authentic. I think it was handwritten.
2: Well, I mean, you also don't want to... Whenever you have so much pride, you don't want like, to show people that someone has broken that pride. Right. You know? Especially
1: someone that you've trusted more than anybody. Right. Yeah. According to the church's website, no one had closer correspondence with Hubbard than Miscavige.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, Hubbard lived his last des- decade in paranoid fear, like I mentioned, and kept quite isolated except for a few trusted people. He passed away on January 24th, 1986, of a stroke, although no autopsy was performed. And Hubbard's personal physician, a Scientologist, filled out his death certificate. Another mystery for another day, maybe? I don't. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he was stressed, so I don't doubt that he could have had a stroke at all. Um, but I'm still.
2: But also, like, it. Wasn't it also in a private area where there weren't other people around, so there were no witnesses to anything? Yeah. So really, it could have been a murder that was covered up.
1: Very easily covered up. Miscavige personally announced Hubbard's death to the church. There was another, it said like on the Scientology website that he like immediately became head of the church, but on Wikipedia. Our, trust, our trustworthy Wikipedia. There was another man who was another original um, CMO and his wife, who was also an original CMO, I believe, who were set up to be the highest ranking members of the church. But David said that that order had been a forgery, leaving him the highest ranking member of the C Org and the new leader of the Church of Scientology. Of course. In the 1990s, I'm almost done with David. Um, we'll never be done with David, but like. Yeah. In the 1990s, there was a handful of shit with the IRS. That to put it into a quick little whatever you want to call it, the IRS refused tax exempt status. The church sued the IRS fifty times. <laughs> Dang. Fifty. Five O, not fifteen. In case you're mishearing me, it was fifty. According to the New York Times, the church's lawyers hired PIs to personally dig into IRS officials' lives, conducted surveillance, took documents, created a phony news bureau, and financed an organization of IRS whistleblowers. That's a lot. The IRS gave in. There was two years of negotiating terms um, because the deal was basically the church would be granted tax-exempt status so that they would drop the lawsuits. Hmm. Which is... Uh, anyway. The announcement of their success was given by Miscavige to 10,000 members of the church at the LA Memorial Sports Arena. Miscavige spoke for two and a half hours and received a 10-minute ovation. Standing ovation. 10 minutes is a lot.
2: That is a lot. For after two and a half hours, you're going to... I mean, I guess, okay, you have a lot to release after just sitting there quietly.
1: But like... <laughs> That's like, that's like going to, that's like going to a, a Shakespeare play, which are usually like, if you, if they don't cut things, it's usually like three to three and a half hours. Yeah. And they, and you get an intermission, maybe two. And you, I don't even think you give them a 10 minute ovation and they deserve it. Yeah. Shakespeare's hardest buck, but that's just you watching him talk for two and a half hours. Right. I just don't No Thanks. Currently he is the COB, so the chairman of the board of the RTC. He works mostly from Gold Base, which is in Las Jacinta La, I wrote it, I wrote the wrong town down. La Jacinta. Okay. Jacinta, one of one of those, California. He is portrayed as Hubbard's message. And his primary task is to preserve, maintain, and protect the church. Although there's a more extensive list on the Scientology website. So if you want like all the deets of what he does, you feel free to go there. I linked it in our references. So where is Shelly in all of this up until this point? Shelly is seen side by side with her husband, at least from when Hubbard died until the early two thousands. I don't know how much she was like this when Miss Gavage wasn't like the leader, you know what I mean? At least from Hubbard's death. And when I say side by side, I mean, she was at his elbow 24 seven. Like. And that's what this-
2: 20 years, years—that almost 20 years that she was just like side by side with them.
1: Like where this agave is, that's where she was. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly and Dave lived at the Gold Base compound until 2005, where Dave does most of his work. It's about an hour and a half from LA, I think. Okay. Her job in Scientology was she was in charge of 12 staffers in the executive office. And I believe the staffers changed sometimes, but that was yeah. like, that was her job. Her Real job was uh where'd I go? Was to be ready and available to do whatever David needed at the moment he needed it. She literally hovered at an arm's reach. Yeah. At all times. She was Shelly the assistant, not the wife. He was called Sir COB and she was Sir COB assistant. That was like her official title that David gave her. She was penalized just like everyone else if she ever questioned his policies or whatever yeah anything about him um one account said that they never saw david hit her but he would scream and throw tantrums at her yeah. an article in vanity fair by ned zeman it was super long so i think i have a lot of info from him so i just wanted to give him his due credit for doing his work um, he went into some depths of their relationship and what Shelley was like during this time all according to ex-members of the church which I will remind you that like current members, they don't talk to the press.
0: Yeah. Ever. And if yeah,
1: they do, it's hostile.
2: Then they're out of the organization, right?
1: Right. One claimed, so one ex-member claimed that in the beginning, her romance with David didn't improve her position with her peers. They saw her as young and power hungry. So they excluded her quite often and they kept, that kept her really isolated. Yeah. Um, but as I mentioned, once they got married, they were like the it couple of the church. Until Tom Cruise, but that's another story. Yeah. Many witnesses have stated that even in more intimate settings, they never saw David touch her. Even if they were like inner circle, maybe four people in the room, they never kissed. They never held hands. Nothing. It's also rumored that they slept in separate bedrooms. Scientology does promote modesty. Like they don't agree in premarital sex. Granted, they're married at this point, but. Yeah. Like they do promote that religious modest lifestyle right however david was prone to yelling graphic sexual imagery in his angry tirades calling people cocksucker and cunt and stuff like that yeah which okay. like if that's graphic sexual imagery i say things like that so oops
0: yeah
1: um there were even rumors of a transcript from several auditing sessions with tom cruise where he described his sex life and periodically Shelley said that's gross The church denies this and proclaims confidentiality and blah, blah, blah. So, yay. (laughs) Um, Some say that Shelly started obsessing over her physical appearance after a while. She was obsessed with her hair, makeup, and weight and was on a strict diet that made her gaunt. Her relationships with other women became very strained.
2: Yeah. I could see that happening, especially if you're not getting the attention that you want right or feel deserve um you start to do things to try and get that attention especially when someone's calling you out like oh you're fat oh you're this oh you're that you know
0: yeah that's bad
1: well this too one upper member of the sea org who blew from the church remembers an incident with shelly where she barged in and was yelling about his then wife She said. I'm quoting the Vanity Fair article for this, for what he said that she said. So take it with a grain of salt, as always. You get your bitch, cunt, fucking whore wife away from my husband. She's always hanging her tits in his face. And I'm just telling you, they've got something going on. Wow. There is no evidence that this is true.
2: But Scavage
1: does have a habit of surrounding himself with attractive women, just like Hubbard did. And Shelly saw that she wasn't dumb. She didn't want to be cast aside as Hubbard had cast aside his own wife.
0: Right. Wow.
1: Can't imagine. So yeah, it is a sad, I think it's just a sad for her. It's just sad. Yeah. Like her whole story is really heartbreaking throughout her marriage. She was known to be bitchy and mean because she was doing David's bidding 24-7 but those who truly knew her knew she was a good person just in a toxic situation
2: and also back then like <clears throat> if you think about it whenever you're giving orders and as a woman giving orders you're gonna describe them as bitchy even if they're giving orders the same exact way that David would have been giving the orders. right but David is just being stern like he's just doing his job but as the woman yep. you're just being bitchy
1: yep that happens a lot yeah. I think gross. Nicki Minaj said something about it. She was like, I'm described as a bitch because I'm a woman.
2: Right. I'm because a i a commanding woman. Adamant, yes. But if yeah. a
1: man did it, he'd be like the boss. Right. Yeah. Ugh.
2: He'd be confident.
1: Yes. Come on, guys. With the double standard. Yep. So it's 2021. Let's get rid of that shit. Um, <laughs> but those who truly knew her knew she was a good I already said that uh, she took care of her staff. She would encourage them when he wasn't listening. Um, and she cared about the people around her. She often took people under her wing. She mentored messenger girls. The main point was Shelley believed in Hubbard. Hubbard was all she knew as a parent, a parental figure as a kid. And she was abandoned right. and outcast by her parents. So, so she's she, like
2: protecting his legacy kind yeah, of. In a way.
1: And she held on to his beliefs and teachings. Yep. She was also the only one that ever stood up to David when he had a tantrum. There's like certain things that said she would stand by and not say anything and certain things that said she would intervene.
2: Yeah. Maybe it grew to a point where she started to intervene.
1: Right. Or like it depended on the situation. Right. David would yell and scream. There was one instance where he threw water and even used a water hose to soak the whole place. Shelly was required to be present but she was hanging a few steps behind him. Like she had the demeanor of like, I'm not here. I don't want to, I don't want to be involved in this. Right. But she, at one point he was beating some of his top guys, like physically beating them because they were his favorite physical and mental punching bags. And Shelly screamed for him to stop. So sometimes I think she did like, it was just too much for her and she couldn't just sit there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she was penalized for that. I'm assuming she would whisper words of encouragement to her staffers and be slyly undermining David's angry outbursts. So like he would be angry and then she'd be like, don't worry, we'll figure it out. Like she, she tried to be like the opposite of him. A lot of David's policies were slightly adjusted by Shelly on the DL. She was the last line of defense for the church and was the only one who could check his rage.
0: Which wow. obviously
1: wore her down. Yeah. This is like you said, 20. They got married in 82. Yeah. They've been together a long time. Their relationship was that of an employer, and she was his employee. Appearing at every event together, she was known as the first lady of Scientology. Then, all of the sudden, seemingly in 2005, the first lady had mysteriously disappeared.
2: Do they have any kids?
1: Yes. I think they okay. have two i Didn't look into them at all.
2: No, I just wanted to uh, know.
1: Did they have kids? No, they didn't have kids. I'm sorry. Okay. They didn't have kids because Sea Org members weren't supposed to have kids.
0: Then what's the? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> edit
1: it out, JP. What's your I'm thought? I'm fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm like, okay. So what's the point of getting married? Like, if your whole thing is no marriage, no sex before marriage. And then you're going to sleep in separate rooms. And the only reason that you have sex is to procreate. But is the point of getting married? Like, is it just to have like that king and queen status of the church? That's what it seems is like the only reason.
1: I think so. They were probably pressured to get married. Yeah. So let's talk about her disappearance and details about the days leading up to it. If you've been paying any attention to Scientology in the last eight years, then you know about Leah Remini. Remini,
2: whatever.
1: Remini. Remini. Leah very publicly left the church in 2013 and has been an advocate for survivors ever since. She's also been the star advocate for Shelley. According to Leah, she claims that Shelley and her were very close and they had several letters of correspondence over many years. So remember that Leah's family was also involved with the church and she herself was quite high up. Um, and these letters of correspondence go back I think they stopped happening in 2003, just like talking, just like, how are you? And whatever, according to her show Scientology in the Aftermath and several other sources, Leah was the only one that questioned why Shelley Miscavige was not at the Scientology event of the century, the marriage of Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes in 2006. David Miscavige was best man to Tom Cruise. And the only one who questioned Shelly's strange absence was Leah. Yeah. So this is 2006. Shelly hasn't been seen since 2005, I think.
2: Do we know the last event that she was seen at? And like, was there anything that happened at that event?
1: No. I know where she was last seen, but I don't. I'll get there. Okay. Leah's associate, Mike Rinder, was a former CMO. like an OG CMO. He was the C org higher up. He described it as if Prince Philip arrived at the event of the century, like the Queen's birthday, and the Queen wasn't there. Yeah. In one of her interviews on 60 Minutes Australia, Leah expresses that when she asked at the event, everyone shrugged it off and were like, let's keep drinking and yeah. celebrating and whatever.
2: Also, it had only been like probably six months to a year that she hadn't been seen. So they're like, eh, no, it's probably nothing.
1: Yeah. Leah was punished for asking about Chili's strange absence. After the wedding, Leah went under intense auditing in Clearwater, Florida for three to four months for her crime. She explained that they interrogated her all day and all night, which If you watch anything about police, that's exhausting and wears people down. They do that on purpose. Hold you for 24, you know, keep you awake and whatever.
2: Don't feed you enough. And Mm -hmm.
1: Asking her about her evil intentions toward mankind, Hubbard, Tom Cruise, David Miscavige, blah, blah, blah. Her punishment didn't end until she said, Dave and Tom are great, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) Bullshit that she said she didn't feel. She just wanted out of that room. Yeah. She was done. Three to four months.
2: <clears throat> that's horrible
1: Oh, wait for it because this entire process cost leah three hundred thousand dollars
2: oh my gosh
1: because i think you had to pay to do auditing mm-hmm. sessions even though she was being forced to do whatever oh <sighs> so rounding it up last correspondence with leah was in 2003 or at least like letters of that nature Um, Shelly was still at events, obviously, in 2003 and four and whatever. Two years later, Shelly disappears. So 2005. One year later, 2006, the wedding of the century in Scientology, and Shelly is bizarrely absent. She is briefly seen in 2007 at her father's funeral, whom, as I mentioned, she was close to. She was in the company of a Scientology handler. That's all I know. Um, I do want to dive into this tiny little side mystery because she was not close with her mother who died in 1985, but I want to touch on it for a second. Okay. I did have my friend Amanda help me research this because as per usual, I like to live on the edge and I saved all my research for yesterday and finished this morning. I've been up since six. Um, (laughs) And then I was like, Amanda, it's a secret. You can't tell anybody. And then someone mentioned Scientology and like a murder group on facebook and she sent me a screenshot of her being like my friend has a podcast and she's dropping an episode tomorrow about scientology and i was like first of all that's not true second it was a secret and you cracked after (laughs) one fucking day
2: (laughs) yeah that's funny though i like that to
1: be trusted and she's like i changed it because i was like don't tell them we're dropping it tomorrow i'm recording it it's not going to be released for a couple weeks so at least change she had edited it to make that at least accurate but um I was like, thank you for promoting us, but
2: yeah, please can't trust you ever again. Hey, but maybe we (laughs) can use that as like a marketing scheme, like where she kind of leaks information. (laughs) We totally
1: can't. She'd be down and apparently good at it. She sent me an apology picture of her cat. (laughs) So this is what I had her dive into because I just wanted a blurb and like a summary and she helped. She, her husband also helped and he's like a gun nut. So he answered some questions that we had, which was useful. So thank oh, nice. you Amanda and Eric, you guys Thanks, are life guys. and bad secret keepers. So. Yeah. Lo <laughs> <laughs> well, Barnett, Shelly's mother, she was 52. She was five foot three. And she killed herself by shooting herself four times with a Ruger 1022 rifle. That is a long rifle, not a handgun. Just want to point that out. Four times. Okay. I, I literally skimmed past this in like Wikipedia. And I was like, Amanda, are you free? <laughs> Cause I want to go down this rabbit hole, but like, I don't have time. I need to make sure I have all my other information. Her husband, the gun expert's advice was the Ruger 1022 isn't a super powerful gun. So it may take a few shots to kill someone with it. I guess, unless you hit like, you know, the right spot, you could kill someone with a BB gun. If you hit them in the right, right. spot it is also known to ricochet like the be- the bullets but like through skin I don't know, whatever according to the coroner report she left two suicide notes she shot herself three times in the chest and then one shot in her head they also found like five bullet casings. i don't know they also found two inch superficial cuts on her wrists they were from days prior so she was suicidal She had just had surgery for a brain aneurysm and was not in any pain, according to her other daughter, not Shelly, but she was depressed. Anyway, without getting too deep, it is possible she killed herself, but it's odd as fuck. Her husband at the time, not Shelly's dad, was downstairs. So he was the prime suspect, but it was still ruled a suicide and nothing came of it afterwards. It is reported that upon learning of her mother's death, Shelly said that bitch got what she deserved. Wow. Flo has was seen as a suppressive person because she blew from the church.
2: I see, okay. So she was, what do they call it? Shut out or whatever?
1: Uh, um,
2: Cause
1: whenever, squirrel.
2: yeah. Cause whenever someone uh, blows the church, you're not allowed to talk to them if you're in the
1: church, mm, right? Not at so all.
2: You probably never talked to her mom and thought of her as such an evil person that she was just, okay. And I, I think it
1: was rumored that her mom was trying to sue the church. And well. not
2: only that, but also your mom abandoned you. Like she threw you on a boat with some old man and said, take care of him. You know, yep. sorry, I'm being biased. No, no, it's <laughs> true
1: though. Like I don't blame her, her, her reaction, reaction at all.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. I just don't. That's just a crazy anyway. It was just like a little side mystery. Thanks, Amanda and Eric, for your yeah, hard thanks work.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Cause we were I was literally like doing that thing where I was like, it's a long you hold and she was like, You hold it with one hand. And I was like, but it's a rifle. It's not a g-. Yeah. So it makes sense that they missed. And I was like, but if I was if I had already shot myself and was once, bleeding, I'd be like,
2: All right, I can't do it.
1: <laughs> and then it was like, was the headshot a mercy killing? Like yeah. it just not and then like some of the stuff in the coroner's report was like a little weird. Cause my friend Amanda is a PT. So she understands anatomical, like right. where everything is. And she was like, it makes sense. Like if she's right-handed, like how the bullets would work, like where they entered and everything. But some of the stuff she said, it didn't, it didn't make sense. She was like, if I wrote a report like this, I would be reported. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Anyway, just another rabbit hole to go down. Just not today. So in 2010, Leah starts to write Shelly again. So this is five years after she's been seen besides at her father's funeral. She never receives a letter in return. In 2013, Leah blows from the church famously and has been labeled an SP or a squirrel. Yeah. After she defects from the church, she goes to the LAPD and files a missing persons report. Oh, wow. Three days after Leah filed the report, the LAPD stated that they went and saw Shelly and she was fine, so they claimed that the report was unfounded.
2: Okay, well, LAPD is also corrupt and paid off, so.
1: Yes. The detective who spoke with Shelly said that she didn't want to make a public statement, and when asked if other church officials were present, he just said, that's classified. Leah Remini tried to get information about the encounter, but was told no, except for, she asked like, she had a list of like 12 of 14 questions and they looked, I didn't see all the questions. I only saw the last two, but it looked like something that like a lawyer probably helped her write to make sure she was asking the right things. She only had the last two, they were like, we can't help you with questions one through 12, but the last two was, is it common for the department to leak information to the media? and not tell the person that filed the report in the first place. And she wanted like a copy of the report. And they said, you yeah. can get it, but you have to pay $2.80. Which she said she did, but I don't know what the report said. I yeah. didn't find the reports anywhere. They might be somewhere. I don't know.
2: Okay. Well, let's scrounge up three bucks and go get them.
1: Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you want to do one fifty, and I'll do like. Yeah. Every, every
0: <laughs>
1: so here's some more info. Tom Devot Devot Devo. Divocked. I don't know. A former Sea Org higher up and the one whose wife Shelly yelled about okay. in the RTC building. Yes. Um, they were by, they were in this, whatever. He remembered a moment where they were in the RTC, bu- RTC building, the Religious Technology Center at Gold Base. They were by a big vault that was downstairs. Shelly was standing behind David and David stops rubs his head and said Shelly what did we do with the gold did did we bury it and Shelly turned white and said I don't know what you're talking about and Tom could tell that Shelly like knew something was wrong because he kept asking where did we put the gold like what did we do with the gold
2: so meaning that she could have
1: (laughs) no I mean Uh, maybe I don't know I don't think there was gold I think that's the issue
2: (laughs) oh I see so she was just like what are you talking about
1: Yeah. Okay. she called Tom up to her office afterwards and claimed that she thought David was losing it. Um, there have been rumors that in 2005, while David was away, Shelly finished some outstanding admin. I believe it had to do with hiring or staffing or something without David's approval. When he found out, he blew up and had the biggest temper tantrum of all time. And a week later, she had vanished.
2: Oh, Wow. Yeah. So okay.
1: Shelley's personal assistant. I do know her name because she was on um, Scientology in the aftermath. But she like has sued the church under Jane Doe. So I'm not gonna say her name. I'm just gonna call her Jane Doe. I'm gonna stick okay. with that and just leave her out of it. She was one of the last people to see Shelley in 2005. Like I said, she's currently or was at the time when this was written, um, suing the Church of Scientology with 14 charges, including false imprisonment, kidnapping, slander, human trafficking, and negligence. Hmm. Jane Doe claimed that she witnessed a dark-colored, tinted vehicle pull up to the Gold Base main building when some unidentified men dragged Shelly into the car. She claims that Shelly was crying, but was trying to hide that she was crying, and she wiped her tears and got into the car. So that's kind of all we, like, know about her and, disappearance.
2: And then in 2007, she went to her dad's funeral briefly, but had a guard. Like a guard
1: with her, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: okay. And I'm assuming her dad's funeral wasn't like a big to-do. No. was a higher up or anything, so.
2: No, but it would have been odd if she wouldn't have like shown face. Like that would right. have really been like, uh. They
1: think that's what it would take for her to come out again, would be like another family funeral.
2: Yeah. And if LAPD actually went to go visit her, there was probably a guard there the whole freaking time, too. Like, you do not get to talk so to her alone. So, even if
1: she's stuck, like, she can't say anything.
2: And number two, even if you do get her alone, you don't know what kind of shit she's been through. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: especially when that's the only thing you know. The only thing From you know. Like, when your she whole was 12. Life, yeah. yeah. You don't know what else is out there.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Ooh.
1: Before we get into theories, I want to discuss some other disappearances within the church. We're going to talk about the hole for a second. Other people have disappeared. There was once an instance where 120 people were missing at one time. These people were in the hole. The hole is two double wide trailers put together with barred windows and guards at the door. There is no electricity and there is physical abuse daily. The hole is near Gold Base in San Jacinto, California. According to Mike, that was the word, not La Jacinto. According to Mike Rinder, who works with Remini, and it was one of the most senior enforcers and higher-ups in the Sea Org, spent two years in the hole. Some of the 120 that have been gone missing have been there for 15 years. David beat Mike many times, and he watched him beat others hundreds of times. And if you go in the hole, you have no idea when you're getting out. You don't know what warrants your release. Like you don't know what to say that will get them to let you go. It's just honestly, to me, it's psychological torture. You're stuck in this tiny building for years being physically beaten. No electricity. I think they sleep on the floor.
2: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it's really bad. Shelly's personal assistant also spent some time in the hole. And that's when she witnessed. The car taking Shelly away from Gold Base. I see. So, where is she? Theories. Is she in the hole? I don't think so.
2: I don't think so because then you'd have multiple witnesses. Number one, you'd have multiple witnesses, and they'd come out. <laughs> I'm sure not everyone that makes it out of the hole stays in Scientology. You know, they probably would a, leave lot,
0: leave. Yeah. a lot
2: leave. Yeah, and so I'm sure that you would hear reports of no, she's in the hole, and then. I mean, why aren't the police going to the hole number one?
1: I mean, that is, has been my main question for many years now. <laughs>
2: why aren't so. you going to see if people are being imprisoned in a double-wide trailer with no electricity and being beaten daily? Anyway, I think that if she were in the hole, people would say something. I think,
1: yeah. Same. And
2: number one, and number two, it would probably bring down David's credit. Like, oh... Why is the the queen of Scientology per se being shoved in the hole? You know, right. like something's fishy. And why has she been in there for we're going on 15 years now?
1: That's my thoughts exactly. I don't think so, she's there.
2: No, but I don't it's, think she's there. I'm just but saying I think, as a
1: possibility.
2: But I'm not ruling out that she's not in her own private hole. Well,
1: we're gonna which talk could be
2: about that. yeah.
1: Cause I have room it's all rumors. All of its rumors. There are many rumors that Shelly is being held at the CST, the Church of Spiritual Technology in Twin Peaks, California, which I didn't know existed. And I immediately thought of Twin Peaks. It's (laughs) about the same thing. And that's a fictional town, a fictional show, whatever, which is up by Lake Arrowhead, which is an hour and 20 minutes from LA. It rests up a winding road in a beautiful area. I've actually been, we like rented a cabin one time up at Arrowhead. It's really, really pretty, but on the way down, I was very hungover and it's, it's like downhill and it's like hairpin yeah. turns and shit. Cause they're like, you're going down this steep mountain. And I definitely vomited on the side of the road, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like more than one. And then we went to a Del taco. And the kid we, that was driving was like, no, you can't eat in my car. So like me and my other friend who was also nauseous, we were sitting, I'll never go on a Del taco again, just cause I, my stomach was like, Nope. And the smell. Yep. Cause they were like, just get a tortilla, like a plane. Don't cook it. Don't just like, Just bread. And I was like, I can't smell in here is
0: too mad. Feel good.
1: But anyway, it's a beautiful area. So (laughs) CST was established. Like I said, this is the one that was made to like it could repurchase all of his works. But this was like also why it was established as this other reason. It was to preserve the writings and words of Hubbard for eternity. It is an extensive program where they take all of his words. They are engraving them onto in into indestructible forms, meaning steel plates. They are kept in gas-filled titanium capsule in vaults underground. Like it's supposed to preserve his works for like 6,000 years.
2: That's terrifying.
1: Tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions have been invested into this program. Yeah. And like when they mentioned it on Leah's show, she had never even heard of it. So, you
2: know. I mean, think about it. If I... Our- Existence goes extinct, and then it it, like life is reformed, and they're looking at it like they were looking at the pyramids. They're like, "Wow, y'all were fucked up,"
1: (laughs) or they're all gonna be like, "This is the truth." Yeah, we're gonna be a future of Scientologists whenever humanity like re. Yeah, I think we'll be wiped out by them. But you know, if we like are reborn in some way, right? Oh, I can't imagine what religions would exist in that world. No. I hope we would go back to like worshiping the sun.
2: I'd be dead. yeah, or like the planets and yeah. Fun stuff.
1: I might be a pagan. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> more I look nature into it, the in general. more general. Like, like let's so cool. let's worship nature in general. That's the I real. Did. <laughs> yeah.
1: I might be a pagan. Um, anyway. Actually, I think I'm an um, what is it called? An omni. I think all religions have a base of truth, just Mm -hmm. put it that way. I don't think Scientology does, but that's my biased opinion. So the CST did announce their existence and they released a video, but Shelly wasn't in it. Why not? Couldn't she be the pretty face of this new project? Proof that she's alive and well. Why didn't they want her out in the public eye, even in that way that still keeps her back? You know what I mean? Right. Right. There are two houses across the street from the CST building. It is rumored that Shelley is there under 24 hour day watch by an armed team. Talon Security is one of the main firms that covers Scientology's most sensitive matters. There is a wrought iron fence around the property with spikes. There are cameras all around, um, infrared spotlights, which I know they turn on to like scare people.
2: Right.
1: yeah. And license plate scanners. Are all over the property. Yep. Mike Render just drove up into the area. He didn't even get out of the car. Um, when he went to make a U turn, like at the building, he didn't even stop. Like he was just driving up and then he was going to turn and drive back down. A man with a camera and a walkie talkie came out. Well, it was his phone, but he was like recording. Um yeah. came out of the main CST building and Mike rolled down his window because he's a brave man. <laughs> And he asked him if he wants to talk to him. And the man was like, no, we can exchange pleasantries. And that's about it. So he asked if he worked for Talon and the guy said no. And he also asked if he knew Ron Williams, who's the CEO of Talon and said, say hi for him. Say hi for me because we're old buddies or, or he just said like, oh, he's an old buddy of mine. The guy was just quiet and he didn't really respond when 60 minutes went to CST they ran into no one. There were lights on. There were cars in the parking lots, but it was like eerily silent. Yeah. And they kept trying like the intercom system of the main building, and no one ever responded. Answered. Yeah. And she was like, she was with um, Tony Ortega, who's like a famous person that blew as well. And she was like, "Do you think they know we're here?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, there's cameras everywhere. Like they definitely know we're here." Yeah. She literally, they literally like walked up to the fence, and she was like just came to ask questions about Shelley Miscavige. Like she was just being a brave journalist, in my opinion. I think it was here where a woman did come out with a security guard and a cameraman, like with an actual camera. And she started berating the 60 Minutes um, interviewer and asking why she was snooping and why she didn't go to the church's media relations office. And she said, oh, I will. And the lady was hostile in her face with a cameraman in her face and they didn't give their names, but this is a really common tactic you see with Scientologists. I There's like a name for it, Um, but it is intimidation. Like the practice they like train to be, to do that and like take jabs and shit. Um, Yeah. Do you have any other theories? That's like the only theory of where she might be.
0: I mean,
2: other than being dead which is i think like a real possibility like what if she is dead and they just are covering it up and hiding it Uh, that's terrifying because that an organization Mm -hmm. could actually do that and get away with it i mean when's the last time that anyone in the public ever saw her 2007 and like police haven't checked on her since 2013. they did say that wasn't
1: the only missing persons report and we don't
2: even know no, but also, how do you even know that that's her? Did she have proper identification?
1: Was she under was duress? She,
2: I mean, how, did, is it proven? How do yeah. you know it wasn't like a lookalike or that's something really like true. that? An actress or they something, have so you much know? They um, If they have, yeah, if they have all this money, they could probably find someone that McCartney looks exactly <laughs> like her, you know?
1: But I think if it was yeah. an actress, they would have her in the next public case. eye.
2: no. Because other people would pick up right. on it. You still want to hide it as much as possible. But whenever something like the authorities comes up, you're like, yeah, here she is.
1: Right. You know, because I she don't can think probably she's dead. fake
2: out the authorities.
1: I think she's alive. I just think she's, I think it's possible she could be. Um, but I think she's just imprisoned.
2: Got like a beating gone wrong yeah. or something. You don't know someone could have gone too far. I think that if anything else, she is imprisoned somewhere. Um, and she's probably sadly, Okay with it because of her upbringing. I'm gonna
1: talk about that too when I wrap it everything up. Yeah,
2: and probably doesn't want to be found
0: or anything. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I'm with you. This is one of those ones where like the theories are like endless, but also limited. You know what I mean? Like, like we could come up. She could have been hit by a bus. (laughs) Like, like we don't know, or just like. Mm-hmm. In a basement somewhere in California, anywhere, or Florida, or in one of those empty buildings, or it, like she could be anywhere. So I buildings, don't, yeah. I don't know. Yep. It's it's endless, but there's no way to like look into it without looking into it, and I'm afraid of scientologists so I'd rather not.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I get. It. I get I'm gonna it. wrap
1: it up. There's like I have more information ex leaders, like Sea Org all those higher-ups and stuff, they really began leaving in 2013. Speaking of abuse, all the top dogs said, like, fuck this. So David didn't necessarily remove them until they started defecting themselves, you know, being like, I don't agree with this, blah, blah, blah. And then that's when David would remove them. Right. Um, Most ex-senior enforcers now work with Remini in her fight to expose the church and crusading for Shelley, especially those that like personally knew Shelley. Ron Miscavige, David's father, blew from the church in 2012. He has been shunned by his son ever since, which is like we said, a common practice for Scientologists and Jehovah's Witnesses, but that's another. He called the office when he was with 60 Minutes and he wasn't surprised when he was put on hold for five minutes and then was brought directly to an answering machine. Like the 60 m- Minutes woman was like, is that normal? And he was like, oh yeah. He was like, I'm not going to get to talk to him at all. Yeah. He and his wife are enemies of the Ever. church. They physically had to like sneak off premises. And he was like terrified of being caught wow. because- he was like, I will be put under 24 seven surveillance and I'll never, I'll never have a chance again.
0: He'll yeah. be in the
2: hole, like he'll be in the hole forever. Yeah. So
1: this means they're cut off from his daughters, his grandchildren, his son, obviously, although I think he's, I think he's over it. <laughs> he claims mm, yeah. that Scientology is a cult yeah. in every sense of the word. He is convinced that Shelley is alive and kept away from the public somewhere when 60 minutes began their journey, looking for Shelly, they received a seven page letter from the church because they learned that 60 minutes had contacted Ron and they accused them of inciting hate and going out of their way to speak to him. I think he was also followed for a long time. And like, so I read in one place, the church hired a PI to follow him. And the PI had a weird moment because they saw Ron having a heart attack or like going under cardiac arrest. And he had to ask permission to like, can I help? And he was told to do nothing. I think I would have, I think I would have just called 911 anonymously. Wow. But that's, and just not told. No one's going to know. Uh-huh. He was paid like $10,000 a week to do all this, by the way. Wow. Shelly witnessed everything that David did 24 hours a day for years. She is the biggest liability for David. David would never allow her in public. She is too high risk. Like if she was in public, she could be subpoenaed or questioned or whatever. Yeah. One of David's worst fears, if not his very worst is mutiny or coup. Yeah. And Shelly is the only person who could really incite that. So it is believed that she is kept isolated, even from Sea Org members. If she is yeah. being kept somewhere.
2: Oh yeah. She probably only has guards and no contact with anyone yeah. else.
1: It is believed that she didn't think too differently from the top workers that were close to him. She knows he is wrong, and in her heart, she knows he was crazy. Tom Devoc Devoct, Devoct, whatever, believed that Shelley disagreed um, with David, and that resulted in her disappearance. Yep. No one has the insight that Shelley has. She was extremely loyal to Hubbard her entire life, because again, her only parental figure was him. Even the captain of the Apollo had a conversation with Tom, and Tom asked, you have to know what's going on with Dave. And he said, I know, I'm waiting for Hubbard to get back. Mm. So this is a common belief throughout the Church of Scientology. Most believe in Hubbard and the religion, but not in David, and they are waiting for Hubbard's return to finish his work. They've even constructed, under Hubbard's wishes, six mansions throughout california that are being built to his specific details leah believes if shelly is still alive this is how she feels as well she's waiting for hubbard so even if she's being kept captive she doesn't want to leave because hubbard's going to return and right finish his job right which is horrific
0: wow
1: any other thoughts before I close this out. It's off. Uh,
2: no. Yeah. This is an intense one. Yeah.
1: It's also going to be a long one. Yeah. It's 11:45. Yeah. I'll try to make it short.
2: No, it's good. It's all good information.
1: To sign us off. It is commonly believed by Scientology critics that the only people who know what has happened to Shelley is David, Shelley, and David's inner circle. Maybe The church will have you believe Shelley chose to disappear and that she's working on projects elsewhere. Shelley's lawyer says that Shelley is alive and that she's disgusted with Leah Remini, (sighs) the church of Scientology is of the stance that Leah Remini is using Shelly as a way to gain more fame. And she is stalking her and David. And I can't write her and David. She wouldn't even- She's famous She anyway. wouldn't <laughs> even
2: need Shelly. I'm sorry. She was famous before yeah. all this
1: because they have their whole celebrity program, but that's a whole yeah thing. In a letter, I'm just going to quote this little chunk of a letter to Re- Remini. Why can't I say her name? Remini. So this is from the church to her after she blew. Following her initial flurry of press coverage, Ms. Remini desperately sought more fame and attention by filing a fraudulent missing persons report with the LAPD about the wife of the leader of the religion. It was part of a harassment campaign cooked up with Mike Rinder in tandem with Mark and Claire Headley and shamelessly promoted by Tony Ortega. Ms. Remini used an acquaintance of hers in the LAPD to personally file the report, which she quickly leaked to the media. But it all blew up in her face when the LAPD took this extraordinary step of thoroughly debunking to the media Miss Rem- Remini's abuse claim within hours, calling it unfounded. Miss Remini wasted valuable public resources in an attempt to viciously harass the church leader's wife, whom Miss Remini has obsessively stalked. Okay. You can read the letter in its entirety. It's the last link on my references, so you can, she has like a whole website of all the letters that she's received from them. Yeah. If you or someone in your family has any information about Shelly, please feel free to contact Leah Remini because I want nothing to do with it. (laughs) And she (laughs) has the resources to like actually do shit. Or if you'd like to share your own theories, email us at MrReticle at gmail.com. Follow us at MrReticle on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't play with strangers.
2: And don't trust your government.
1: This episode never happened.
2: I was going to say, don't trust your religion. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: thought about that and I was like, no, that's problematic.
2: Yeah. Nope,
1: nope, nope.